Welcome, friends. You are listening to the Mind Body Alchemy podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Miramontes. This is where intuition meets education in the realms of spirituality, fitness, mindset, and more, all to create lasting change. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks so much for being here. I have a special guest today with me. I'm so excited to have a client of mine that has gone through my group coaching and then went on to be a one-on-one client. Her name is Candace. She's had some great success and I'm just really looking forward to our visit today. Hi, Candace. Welcome to the show. Hi, Steph. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking some time to come and visit with Uh, my audience today and let them know a little bit about your story because it has been a bit of a journey and super impressive. It's been so much fun to coach you through this process. Do you mind telling my listeners a little bit about kind of what your dieting history is, what you've done in the past, and just maybe where you started? Okay. I never had had diet or weight issues growing up or even when I was in my early adulthood. After I had my daughter six years ago, I gained a lot of weight and I pretty much tried. I did all the diets I think out there. I did low carb, no carb, Weight Watchers. I did Weight Watchers a couple of times. I tried a lot of the beach body programs, 21 day fix, portion control with some of the other ones. I mean, pretty Atkins. I did Atkins. I did South beach. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like I hit them all. I tried them all. And I mean, on some of them, I lost weight, but it always came back and it was never consistent for me. I just would end right back up in the same spot or even heavier than I was when I started. I think that's really common. I think your story mirrors what most people experience where once they start dieting, it becomes this cycle of try something new. There's some excitement there, go all in, find out that there's just something that is not in alignment. Something's not working. Maybe you go on a vacation or you, you know, have some sort of upset in your family, or it's not working with your friends or your schedule or whatever. And then realize how unsustainable it is. And then from that place, you start to gain weight back, gain all the weight back, usually pretty rapidly. And then something is wrong with you, like you failed or you flopped or whatever. And then you go on looking for this next thing that validates your, your success again. And it starts all over again and repeats and repeats. Did you find that was your experience? Did you feel like you were being successful? Did you feel like it was the diet that was the problem? Or did you struggle maybe with how you felt like maybe you didn't have willpower to stick with it? Or where was your headspace in all of that? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. At the start, you're excited. You're like, I can do this. And then, you know, when you don't have success, you get down on yourself. And what I don't, I mean, me personally, I don't do well in life at all when I feel like people restrict me in any way. (laughs) (laughs) My mom calls me a force. I don't know if that's a compliment from her all of the time, but I don't do well with restrictions. So I would always hit a point where even if I was successful, where I probably had the most success with Weight Watchers, after a while, I got sick of counting and measuring and it just all felt so restrictive. And so I think then for me, I have, you know, some psychological response to the restriction as well. And maybe, you know, I would just get frustrated and say enough, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And then I would probably overeat and just kind of be back in another cycle of that. You know, I would, I would always bounce back worse because I was feeling so restricted and, not liking the fact like I, I didn't, I was like, I don't want to, I love food. I love to eat. I love to cook. I'm Italian. I don't want to not be able to eat anything. And that always bothered me with certain diets, you know, you can't have this, you can't have that measure this. <laughs> and I'm la- I, you know, I'm, I'm not lazy, but I'm busy. So I don't also want to be, you know, counting and measuring, like I don't have time for that. And so I think I would just get really frustrated after a few months and then yeah. kind of blow it, like maybe semi-intentionally, maybe subconsciously. 
Yeah. So interesting that you brought up the sort of, I don't like to have restrictions put on me type of mindset that you have. And and then comparing that to Weight Watchers, where Weight Watchers was probably your most successful or felt the most reasonable to you because there was some freedom wrapped up in that package, mm-hmm. right? You get to choose for your points or whatever. I'm not sure how they do it nowadays, but I know they've had several evolutions of Weight Watchers where some things were free, right? And you could eat all of these things and they would be like one point or no points or or whatever. And so it felt like you had all this freedom to discover these zero point foods. Was that when you were doing Weight Watchers when there were points or did you have a different system? Yep, there was the points and the zero point foods, which now after having done your program, I'm like, oh, just eat an unlimited amount of zero point foods. <laughs> like that doesn't make <laughs> sense either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was actually gonna be my question is, did you find yourself on the hunt for all of these zero point foods to find that place of satisfaction with eating because when you wanted to eat something like pasta or pizza or something really wonderful that wiped out your points for basically the entire day if you had any meaningful amount of that food. So what I've seen from other people that have tried this zero point strategy is that they then fill up on what I consider to be not necessarily fake foods, but fake full foods. So they Mm -hmm. trick your brain into thinking that you're eating something. There's super low energy, low calorie, whatever, but you're just teaching your body to fill up on these foods so that you can constantly feel full so that you don't have to feel restricted or hungry or like you're going without anything. Yeah. I mean, I definitely probably ended up trying to like game the system, which is not probably how you're supposed to do it, but I would (laughs) save points for things. And it just, you know, yeah. I mean, it was challenging too, because you were still restricted and I would, you know, like rebel against that in my own way with, yeah, saving points, not eating healthy, nutritious food, skipping snacks, maybe not eating really a meal so that I could save up for something I knew was coming up. So it just was so much of my attention during the day was on food. When am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? And it's just, it got exhausting <laughs> after a while. I don't, you don't want to think about food or eating that much. Right. And I felt like it consumed me and as well as, you know, unhappiness with my body. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you a hyper focus on something that should, something that should be really natural, right? Something as natural as eating, as basic as eating has become this very complicated process where we have to monitor and track and overthink all of it, which in turn makes us over monitor our bodies as well, right? So we're tracking the food and we're monitoring the food and we're doing that for a specific result. So then we're monitoring our body. And so if we're not thinking about food, we're thinking about our body. And if we're not thinking about our body, then we're thinking about what we're going to eat to get our bodies where we want it to go. And it just ends up being a lot of brain space. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about it is exhausting, right? (laughs) I just, well, because you think back and it's, and it was a time too of just like unhappiness for me in general. And I was just unhappy with, you know, where I was physically and then mentally that wore me down. And it just kind of was all just a gray, big gray space of time. (laughs) That's such a good such a good point. And it highlights something else about regular dieting programs versus what we do on my side of the world and and what my program represents. We address a lot of the emotional eating issues because Mm -hmm. people don't overeat because of the food, right? It's never about the food. People will reach out and say, you know, I've been overeating and I've been doing this and it's always pizza or it's always ice cream or whatever. And when we start asking more questions, it has nothing to do with pizza or ice cream because those are just foods. It's always some other issue. And so when we flop these diets and don't address the 
the emotional eating side and we don't address why we're overeating in the first place, it's really easy to feel like your willpower has failed you or you have somehow failed Mm -hmm. when in reality, you just didn't, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that you're supposed to be looking at the real deep seated issues behind why you're doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And so it's just interesting that the dieting comes alongside a time where you felt like it was just a dark cloud time period in your life as Mm -hmm. well. And so the body and what you were trying to do to change it sort of was a reflection of that. Yep. A hundred percent. So then fast forward to finding me and my program, how did that go for you? Can you tell everyone kind of how you found me and what stood out to you as far as what got you interested in, you know, making that call and signing up? I, I had been looking into, I had reached a point where I was like, okay, I, I'm sick of all these like programs. None of them really work for me. Let me find something else <laughs> on the hunt <laughs> for something else that would maybe work. And I had looked into this other business for some like training. Cause I thought, well, I need to work out and I don't know where to start and maybe I'll start there. And I have a friend who, that, you know, as well, who was really big into fitness and weightlifting and that kind of stuff. So I asked her cause she had in the past given me some workouts and helped me with that. And so I had asked her if about this other company and she actually said, Oh, you know, you should talk to my old coach Steph. <laughs> <laughs> so she gave me your information and I contacted you after she gave me that. She's a great person. She's an awesome she human and yeah, really glad she that she connected us. Um, me too. <laughs> Very thankful. <laughs> I owe her one. So we connected and in the beginning, you actually decided not to sign up right away. So we had connected on a one-to-one coaching Mm -hmm. level. That was before I opened up the doors to my group program. And initially you had decided not to sign up and then not too long after, I don't remember the timeline on it, but it wasn't too much longer. I opened up the doors to the group program and that is when you ended up kind of jumping in, right? Yeah, the group program seemed less, I felt like with the one-on-one initially, I felt, oh boy, I'll really be under a microscope here. (laughs) (laughs) I think the group program just gave me that feeling of, okay, this is a little bit easier because there's other people, there's other accountability that we're not going to be solely focused on me. And so the group program sounded like a great idea to me. So I jumped at that opportunity. Did you have any sort of resistance around it when you signed up either before or after and even when you got all your information and kind of found out that we're working on habits we're not doing the tracking calorie thing we're not doing the tracking food thing we're really focusing in on like you said it feels very like under a microscope in a way not that I'm over here putting you under the microscope no, but I'm not asking you to do it mm-hmm. to yourself right mm-hmm. I'm asking yeah. you ask yourself these hard questions and try to figure out what these deep-seated sort of food issues are, where they came from, and start unraveling those things. What came up for you around that (laughs) process in the early stages? Did you have doubts, resistance to Mm. asking those questions? Did it feel strange to you? Were you just like, just tell me what to eat? How did that look for you? Oh, yeah. I I think I've had a lot of resistance, if you recall, because I, even though I was like, oh, I don't want to count or do any of these things. When you were telling me I didn't have to do any of that, I was like, how's this going to, I mean, this is crazy. How's this going to work? I mean, I don't understand this. Even though I didn't want to do any more of that stuff, it's so ingrained in you that this is how it has to be counting, measuring calories in, calorie, all this stuff that you see constantly in diet culture online everywhere. I mean, I, it still gets marketed to me constantly. And so then I, I had resistance there. I had resistance too, because, you know, just initially with addressing some of your habits and your own behavior. I mean, obviously anybody knows change can be uncomfortable. Growth can be uncomfortable, but that's where you have to go in order to make change and grow. And so I think I was a little nervous about that. And I think we've laughed in the past about, I think the first two things I said to you were, I don't want, I don't like to work out and I don't like vegetables. So I was like really (laughs) resistant there. I was like, she's going to make me exercise and she's going to make me eat vegetables. 
which you didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah no I my philosophy doesn't really circle around forcing anything right because anything that you have to immediately do of course you sign up to change so I'm going to kind of hold your feet to the fire there and say you signed up here you Mm -hmm. knew we were going to do something different this is different Mm -hmm. commit to at least giving these things a shot but Mm -hmm. also in a way that says this is where you are today and so I'm not going to ask you to jump a thousand feet to this other place. I'm going to say, okay, let's meet yourself where you are and take one step. Let's do one mm-hmm. thing, which sounds ridiculously slow, which brings up so much resistance, right? Because you're just like, just one thing. Like, I don't want to do anything, but also I can't just do one thing. One mm-hmm. thing sounds stupid. Yeah. <laughs> let's do, you know, and that is that perfection, all or nothing, black and white mentality oh, yeah. where, it, where it has to be everything or nothing. And so it feels like the slow road, but in reality, I tell people it's the shortcut because six months is going to go by no matter what. So if you do 20 things and you can't stick to 20 things longer than three or four weeks, or, you know, sometimes shorter, then you're quit again. And all of a sudden time is going to pass. But if you can do one thing for two weeks, and then you can add another thing for another couple of weeks, and you can just increase the intensity a little bit over time then at the end of six months, you've done 10 new things. It just didn't feel like 10 new things because you didn't have to do them from day one. And for some reason, your brain just feels safer that way. It feels, it feels like yeah. you're not really changing until all of a sudden you've got five or six new habits yeah. under your belt and you're going, oh, wait, I'm different. This is this, it, it's almost like I tricked into change. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, you kind of do. And I think doing it that way too, it didn't seem overwhelming. It was like, I remember the first week you're like, this is the one thing I want you to focus on. And I was like, okay, that doesn't seem that hard. I can do that. And it, so it wasn't overwhelming. Like I didn't feel defeatist attitude from the start. Like, oh, this is so much, this is so hard. It was like, okay, I can do this one thing, I guess, you know, <laughs> even though I yeah. signed up, I was like, okay, that's not going to be hard. And it wasn't, it was very like eased me into it too. Cause it wasn't, you know, I, I remember saying things like, well, what about this? And you were like, you know what, we're just focusing on this and just kind of would always scale, scale us back. Like we're just working on this right now. And so it, it did seem easier because you were like, I could do that. Okay. I can do that. No problem. Yeah. So it was yeah. an easier transition actually than starting anything else. Did you find that it took a while to uh, really trust that the small steps were going to be impactful? It's sort of like you just said, you would ask questions like, well, what about this thing? And what about this thing? And I would scale you back and say, we're just focusing on this one thing. Did you find that your brain always wanted to push you to the next thing and hurry you up and say, this is, you know, you need to be focusing on the next thing or the next thing, or did you feel like you fell into the habits pretty effortlessly after the first um, couple weeks? That's hard. I think it was kind of a combination of both. I think I did fall into the habits pretty easily because they weren't overwhelming. They weren't difficult. They were change habits that I could easily incorporate into my life without a lot of big major stress or change. And so I think it did become a little bit effortless. I mean, obviously I struggled. I had, you know, here and there because you are learning a new habit. So you're still wrestling with some of your old habits. (laughs) So there, you know, was a little bumpy there at times for me, but no, I felt like it was pretty smooth, but I, by nature, am a little bit of an impatient person. So I had a couple of moments where I was like, oh, I should be going faster. I should be doing this. But once I settled into, this is the process of me changing my old habits, then it became easier for me. Once I sort of reconciled with that, it became easier. Yeah. Was there anything that kind of surprised you either about the process or about yourself as you, as you started working through these things, were there things that you discovered about your mindset or about yourself or the process that you either liked or didn't like? I mean, what didn't surprise me about myself <laughs> for me personally, I laugh because it's just, it's, and we've laughed about it 
a few times, but it's like, I sometimes I'm like, who am I now? I love eating vegetables. Who knew I eat them for breakfast and I feel weird now when I don't. And that's not because you tell me to eat vegetables for breakfast. It's because I'm at the point now in the program where I know which foods nourish me better. And so I just enjoy them at breakfast. They keep me full longer. And, and again, this is a process I went through. I mean, in the beginning, I remember you saying to me, I don't care if you eat McDonald's every single meal, you are only to eat three meals. And so there wasn't this pressure of eat this vegetable and all stuff. It was very gradual to get to that point. And, you know, I love working out. as well, which is weird. And I work out now five days a week (laughs) and you just up my training program. (laughs) So I actually am like really training, (laughs) building muscle, which I love, which is crazy. And I think the, the, which are all big changes. And I laugh because of how resistant I was to both of those things in the beginning, but I also kind of laugh too, or really recognize the fact that I have changed in the way that food is and eating and dieting are no longer a major focus in my life. It's like, I just eat how I need to eat and when I need to eat and eat enough to just fuel my body how it needs. And I don't think about it all the time. I'm not worried about when my next meal is like, I am fine if I get a little hungry and need to be hungry and I'm not going to die if I don't eat, you know, when the second I'm hungry. And I think it's just mainly that, that it's mainly that food and diet are not this all encompassing. Yes. I pay attention to it because I'm now I'm really trying to train and develop muscle and work on my physique. So yeah, I think about it a little bit, but not that like how I used to and just, The fact that now I have these habits and they are ingrained in me and this is just how I eat and live now. This is, I just eat and live like I am, like a lean person (laughs) because that's where I'm at. And it's very freeing because I don't think about this stuff anymore. And with that has come so much more confidence, which when you start to feel more confident in yourself, you do better because you have more belief in yourself. So it's almost like a chain reaction. And if you do, you know, backslide here and there into a bad habit, occasionally you just brush it off and keep, you don't even think about it. It's like, whatever, next. next. And exactly. <laughs> for me, that's huge because I used to overthink and overanalyze and beat myself up a lot. And I just don't do that anymore. I love everything that you just said because you highlighted so many of the things that I really aim for in my program and in my coaching, one of them is that perfectionist mindset is, Mm. well, if I slip back or if, you know, I end up doing something that is not what we're working on, then I've blown it somehow that now I'm off the diet when in reality, there is no diet here. It's just moving on. Like if you mess up which, you know, really isn't possible to mess up a meal, but let's say you overeat or you're snacking between meals or something like that when you're not hungry or you're doing it emotionally or mindlessly, as soon as you recognize what you're doing or what has come to pass, you have an opportunity to reflect and hold yourself accountable. Sure. You know, like what happened? What was I feeling? What was going on there? But it's not about beating yourself up and feeling like garbage or like shit about yourself or feeling like a failure. You have another opportunity in, you know, five hours to eat again, just like a normal human does. You know, someone who has never dieted in their life and just lives naturally lean overeats sometimes and emotionally eats sometimes. These things are very normal human behaviors. The big difference is that dieters need to go that extra step and just reflect a little bit so that they can become aware and then Mm -hmm. they move on just like a normal person would when you're on a diet and you have to stick to a certain set of rules and restrictions you lose that opportunity to reflect and move on and instead you somehow have failed a program Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about who you want to be just as you move throughout the world, right? You, you're not accountable to a program here. 
you're really just trying to change how you interact with food and your body and just be aware of those things. So you brought up some, some important points like, okay, well, if I slide back, I just, oh, well, move on next. And food is not the main focus of your life anymore. It's kind of the backup dancer and you love food. And that's such a good, you love food. Mm -hmm. And that's a good realization because most people that say, well, I just love food too much. I can't Mm -hmm. diet because I love food too much. And I'm like, really? But you're on your phone the entire time you're eating. You eat so fast that you forgot to taste your food. And then you find yourself in the pantry looking for something else to eat because you Mm. didn't give your brain the time it needed to register satisfaction with your meal. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for more satisfaction in the pantry. When in reality, that's that's not loving food. That's using food to escape your life for a minute and not paying attention to it at all from a pleasure perspective. Now you are someone who really does love food because you serve it Mm -hmm. on a plate and you sit and you eat it and you taste Mm -hmm. it and you savor it and you cook it and you enjoy it. And, you know, back to sort of the vegetable thing, you told me, I don't like vegetables. And I'm like, well, that's okay. You know, not everybody likes vegetables. I mean, I don't know how many vegetables there are in the world, but I can guarantee you, you, you do like vegetables, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to push that on you. You know, I think that people need to eat them for health reasons and because um, it does help you to kind of stay fuller longer, you know, it helps you to, to keep your portions in check and things like that. But that is so far down the program that it's almost an afterthought. And when we did get to vegetables, it was just kind of like, well, do you like salsa? Do you like tomato sauce on your pasta? Like Mm -hmm. we can, people like to think of vegetables as just lettuce, you know, or these, you know, maybe more offensive to the palate vegetables like garlic or Brussels sprouts or something like that, that, that is really strong. And the funny thing is, as we tried to incorporate vegetables into your meals a little bit, you found out that you like the more offensive vegetables. You eat Brussels sprouts all the time and, and things beets. like that. And beets and things that, you know, some people are just like, mm-hmm. eh, it's so gross, you know, but we get these ideas in our head because of our old habits, maybe because yeah. of the ways that we were raised or, the, you know, nobody really likes plain steamed broccoli and boring boiled chicken, you know, the typical bodybuilder type diet. And so we go on these diets and eat these really disgusting foods. And that sends a message to your brain that vegetables are not pleasurable. They're gross. Mm -hmm. So I don't like them when I'm like, well, how are you preparing them? What are you doing to make sure that they're delicious? (laughs) You know, because there are a million ways to prepare the million different vegetables. And it becomes a limiting belief that you put in your own brain, like, well, don't tell me what to do. And I don't like this thing. And it's like, if you can just be curious and say, how might I like vegetables? What are some examples of vegetables that I actually do like that I'm not counting as vegetables, like pasta sauce, tomato sauce, things like that. And then you can build from there. It opens up your mind to more options. It's just an awareness too, that you gain from doing it, the program. It's, you're so much more aware of yourself and what you're doing and your body. You're so much more in tune with your body. And yeah, with the vegetables, it was simply a case of preparing them. Like I didn't have to eat the steamed broccoli. And I just think in my head, I thought that's what you were going to have me do. And no, I, I prepare vegetables oftentimes with butter because it tastes really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I eat them and I'm totally fine. And I, one of the thing that I wanted to point out to that I forgot was there was no starting over, you know, you, in, in these diets, you get in this mentality of, I'll just start over Monday. And then you tank the whole thing for a few days and start over on Monday. There's no starting over. It was just, if you slipped in a habit, you just went to the next habit a few hours later and moved on and just put it behind you. It wasn't, I'm just, I'm going to give up and start all over on Monday. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, but that is a mentality that I think a lot of people do. I mean, I did it. That it's basically the diet mantra start over on Monday. Everybody is familiar with blowing weekends and starting over. And I will be better on Monday because Monday has this sort of magical power over our diet brains I know (laughs) for some reason. But when you have a program that strips away all of the 
rules in a way that says, you know what, if you want to eat cake for breakfast, go for it. Mm-hmm. Then there's no starting over on Monday because it, and that can actually <laughs> be a little bit uncomfortable too, because yeah. it's, it's, it's like, oh crap, I didn't fail. So now I have to actually look at myself and say, this is what's going well. And I, I'm just going to keep doing what's going well. And the things that aren't going so well, I, I can improve on them over time. And there's no timeline. There's no race to the finish. Yeah. This is literally my life now yeah. is this process of just like eating like a normal person and tuning into my body and how I feel. And I don't have to restrict anything. And that's foreign for a weight loss program. Oh, yeah. To say, you know, I can have these foods mm-hmm. and and then choosing not to later on, which is always a really funny phenomenon. When you give people permission, they're just like, okay, I can, you're telling me I need to eat these kinds of foods at most of my meals. Like I have to intentionally and purposely eat cake for breakfast or whatever. <laughs> and, and then over time, you're just like, you know what? Cake just isn't that great. Like, nope. it's, it's fun, you know, once a week or something, if I really want it, but you go from that place of like Disneyland <laughs> yeah. to this is just cake and it's delicious when I eat it. And when, you know, I'm eating it all the time it's just not that exciting anymore when I'm eating it with intention. There's no power left over me. And so a pan of brownies can sit on the counter for three days instead of, you know, picking at it all day long because you know, you have to start over on Monday. Yep. You have to like fill, get your fill before you take them away forever. (laughs) You don't (laughs) have that. I mean, I, I had a couple of times where I had ice cream for dinner and I still had progress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it does take away the, the bad food, good food thing. Cause there isn't, you know, my mom had even said to me the other day, cause she's like, Oh, you look so great. What, what can you eat? And I said, whatever I want. And she's like, what do you mean? Whatever you want. And I said, every food is like, I quoting you, every food is a fat loss food. <laughs> you can eat anything, anything yeah. you can have. And so I, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing good or bad anymore. I can just eat what I want. If I'm feeling like I want ice cream, then I will have ice cream. And it's very freeing, (laughs) very (laughs) freeing. Well, and we also get stuck in these sort of rituals, right? That you can only have dessert after a meal and it has to be like after dinner kind of thing, or, you know, like ice cream is a nine o'clock on the couch food or, you know, popcorn is a movies only type of food or something like that. And so we get these rituals that trigger an emotional response. They trigger like this urgency in us to eat the foods when we're doing these behaviors, when we're sitting in the movie theater, when we're on the couch and, you know, it's just an automatic thing where we go and grab the chips and and plop on the couch Mm -hmm. and watch TV at, you know, 7.30 at night. And when you disrupt that and say, you know what, you if you're paying attention, you may find that you really actually don't want chips. Your habit is to grab the chips, but that's just a habit. You actually don't want them. Your belly is full. Your belly has limits. Your body has limits, but your brain will always look for something to make you feel better. It will always look for something that, you know, is pleasurable outside of what your body needs. And so when we start to learn the difference between the voice of the body and the voice of your mind, then it's very uncomfortable because you have to recognize that you're not listening to your body if you get up and grab those chips and that you're running from something, you're having an emotional response, you're having some sort of feeling or thought or urge that needs to be looked at. And it's like, oh, well, I can have ice cream at eight o'clock in the morning. It's not a dinner food. It's not a dessert. Mm -hmm. It's just food. It's a fat loss food, depending on how I interact with it. And so the more you restrict it, the more you eat in celebration of like, it's ice cream time, you know, (laughs) nine o'clock on a Saturday (laughs) night, it's ice cream time. So I'm going to eat the whole pint when in reality, you can have five bites with your breakfast and, you know, three bites with your lunch and, you know, a cookie here and a cookie there with your meals. And it makes it a little bit less sexy, but the reality is 
you don't really want those things as often as you think you do. They're just habits and behaviors and emotions that trigger that. It's really an interesting process to go through. It is. It is because you learn all of that. You become aware of all of that. And I mean, I personally did have, you know, emotional eating, overeating, stress eating was a big thing for me. And so I would, you know, be upset and eat the pint of ice cream at night on the couch. And so, or, you know, drink three glasses of wine or eat a bag of chips. And even though I wasn't hungry. And so you learn also better how to cope maybe with some of your stressors and emotions, because you're actually taking a minute to say, okay, I'm stressed. You know, what can I do to, to make myself feel better? And if that moment, I really do just need to eat ice cream to feel better then I still do. But now for me, it's a little bit more like, okay, I don't know if that's going to make me feel better. So maybe I just need to take a minute and take a time out and read or go for a walk. Or I mean, there's other things. It's not like I'm saying, no, you can't have that ice cream. Go for a walk instead. I'll eat the ice cream if it's going to make me feel better. I'm just at a point now where I realize that I'm probably not going to feel much better after I eat it. So what else could I do that will make me feel better in this moment? Yeah. And Another layer of that is sometimes we don't need to feel better. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to feel. Yeah. And when we're having these emotional eating episodes, we're telling ourselves that it's not safe to feel our emotions and that these negative emotions need to go away as soon as possible instead of just honoring the fact that we feel bad. Mm -hmm. And that's a necessary emotion in order to elicit a change that needs to happen in our lives. And that's why... I I don't know if you have found this to be true, but I feel like, and a lot of my clients feel like these skills transfer. These are things that transfer, not just to your diet, but they transfer to other areas in life. When you're unhappy with your job, but you come home and immediately go straight for the pantry, you don't have time to feel that experience of, I'm unhappy here. And what do I need to do about it? Do I need to change my work environment? Do I need to change my job? Do I need to have a tough conversation? You don't, leave room for that self-inquiry of what's going to make me feel better long-term because you're eating enough to tolerate a life that is half-lived. Yeah, it a hundred percent has, for me, it's translated in other areas. I'm just more aware of my feelings and emotions instead of trying to suppress them and stuff them away. I, you know, like I said to my girlfriend the other day, because she was having a bad day, you're not going to feel super happy and great every single day. Like that's not realistic in life. You can build your life so that it is full and for the most part joyful, but we're all going to have things that are negative or stressful or upsetting. And, you know, you, yeah, like you said, you just have to feel those things sometimes. Like, you know, like we joked the other day, me and my girlfriend, you cry in the car or the shower. Like when you really need to have a good (laughs) cry, doesn't it always seem to be like in the car or the shower? And sometimes you just need to have that good cry get it out. And then you do, you feel like, okay, I'm, I still may not feel great, but I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. I think I'm just so much more aware of my feelings and emotions and my, my wants for my life, because I'm not just stuffing them down somewhere. You know, I'm actually addressing them and not all of them have been comfortable and and fun, but again, I feel like it's still helping me to grow my life in a better direction. Absolutely. And, you know, just so this podcast kind of ages like it should, if you're listening to this in real time, 2020 has been a bit of a shit show (laughs) With, um, with everything that has been going on in the world with the pandemic, but also here in the United States where we are based with our election year. And that has brought up a lot of feelings and emotions for a lot of people. And there is a lot of emotional eating going on and a lot of emotional coping. And I even had this recognition because it hasn't been decades since I've been aware of this in myself, right? It's been a bit of a transformation for myself as well. I have a dieting history as my audience well knows, but I haven't experienced an election year being so grounded in my own emotions. And I recognized that I wanted to feel everything that I am feeling right now. Mm -hmm. I hadn't, you know, I, I, 
kind of joked and I'm just like, oh, it's going to be a glass of wine. And, you know, the next day I'm either going to bury my head under the blankets or I'm going to be, you know, celebrating or whatever. And I recognized that that was such an old mindset. And Mm -hmm. as I watched this process unfold, I'm just like, I want to feel every single bit of what I feel right now. I think it's so important to feel and honor how I'm feeling Mm -hmm. in these moments, whether or not my feelings were true or not true, whether or not they were helpful or not helpful, they all come from this place of thinking, right? The thoughts that we have about other people and other opinions and things like that, it doesn't matter um, which side you're on. We've all convinced ourselves that we are absolutely right. Of course, it does matter what side you're on and we are right. But, you know, it's, (laughs) it's one of those things that we have this story. You know, we have this story that we own for ourselves, which makes us feel a certain way. And we can't get through that in an authentic way that actually heals and makes you feel better on the other end of it until you experience the emotions that need to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you have responded the last, the last few days in this election, but I decided intuitively that I wasn't going to eat my feelings away. And it was a really interesting self-reflection as well. I mean, I feel like I've been having like an anxiety attack for three days because I'm so, (laughs) I feel like this is a hugely important election and it makes me, you know, feel a little sad that it is so close. (laughs) It's like, what state are we living in? But I, you know, what's funny is this whole year, I mean, we all know 2020 and especially in the United States has not been great. And I don't know, maybe it was like during the pandemic that I really, really put the program to work for me because I gave me a sense of control, at least in one area of my life. And so I just, that's when I really, I think, got my stride was when I got like locked in. People are like, I'm gaining all this weight. I'm like, I'm losing all this weight because I just (laughs) was like, wow, I actually, I do have the time to sit here and address a lot of my stuff. So I did, but it's funny you say about, I'm not going to eat my feelings about this election. That hasn't even like crossed my mind or been a thing. I've not eaten one. I, in fact, I've struggled with some appetite issues as far as just being like not that hungry because I do have a little bit of worry and I have not one moment tried to eat my feelings it's just yeah that's not that wasn't a option for me not to say that it would be bad because if you need to go ahead I just that didn't cross my plate I didn't need to I've just been like reading and meditating and you know what how can I how am I going to handle this if the outcome isn't the way that I want? What things can I do? And it just really turned me to be a little more, you know, introspective, I think, about it and, you know, the state of affairs instead of just being like, oh, I'm just going to shove food in my face and not think about it. Because I think we don't have that luxury right now to not think about it. We have to think about these things that are uncomfortable and unhappy. And, you know, we can't just hide them away anymore. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I did have wine, though, on election night. (laughs) (laughs) Not that that is against my program at all, right? That is, you know, I mean, people drink on my program regularly. It's it's a part of a lifestyle that people enjoy. So it's not something that I make anyone cut out. Mm. And, you know, you kind of brought up, well, if you need to eat your feelings, go ahead and I made a post about that too, right? I said, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to fix your relationship with food today. No. Sometimes you need something to help you, you know, emotional eating is one of the many tools that we have to help get us to a place where we can make a decision that feels more mm-hmm. grounded because it doesn't feel so sharp. It doesn't feel so painful when we soften the edges a little bit. Now we don't want to get in the habit of softening our edges with food because again, that brings us back to a a life half lived, but if we can uh, soften the edges around certain things that are just so painful, then it might help us move us forward. And the, the wisdom comes from being able to discern when Mm -hmm. those moments are and having your eyes wide open as you do it. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is a tool I have in my toolbox. I'm not going to punish myself and beat myself up for needing something that I know is going to make me feel better, even though I know damn well, it's temporary. It's, it's yeah. enough to bridge the gap for a moment and that's good enough. And that's okay. There's no, 
you, you just lose any sense of guilt, right, wrong. It just doesn't, it's just food and it's how yeah. you're using it. You know, I'm obviously not standing in the cupboard shoveling food into my face like I would have in the past or overeating till I was uncomfortable because I was feeling some sort of emotion I didn't want to feel. I, I don't do that anymore. But I have moments like the other day, I was like, you know, oh, I really want some comfort food. I really want some Italian food. I really want some pasta. So I made a lasagna, but I just made it with some more nourishing foods than I normally would have for me because I, and I wanted that lasagna and I was going to eat it. So there wasn't like a debate about, I mean, I wanted lasagna. So I made lasagna and I ate lasagna. I mean, there was no right. debate. I just chose to fill it with some more nourishing things because I knew I had a pretty big workout the next day. And I just feel better when I eat some of these more nourishing foods than if I eat some of the processed foods, but I still eat them. Yeah. Yeah, you just eat them in a way that your body communicates is within your limits, right? Yeah. What feels good. Yep. Do you find that you've found new ways to implement self-care now that you're more aware of your food and how you were using it before versus how you're using it now? Have you found new ways to cope and manage emotions and make self-care a priority and things like that? Yes. I mean, and I think a lot of it also comes from, I feel better about myself. I look, in my opinion, I look better. I have done a lot of things for myself. Like I have started getting massages once a month regularly because they make me feel really good and really relaxed. And because I'm working out a lot, they make my muscles feel better. And I'm like, I enjoy this. Why am I not? Why am I going to deprive myself? I can afford to do it. It's something that I'm lucky in my life that I'm able to do for myself. So I'm going to do it and not feel bad about it. And I definitely take more time to focus on sleep because the, I'm more in tune with my body. And so I'm more aware of when I don't treat my body with as much respect and care. I feel that because I am 43. I feel it more now. And so I just, you know, even with eating, I tend to feed my body more nourishing foods because it makes my body feel better. When my body feels better. I feel better, but I have done more, you know, I meditate. I make that a priority. Sleep is a priority. I usually at night have an hour to myself and I just go in my room and I'll either read or I'll paint my nails or I watch Netflix. And I don't really get to watch much TV because I work a lot. And so for me, that hour of just watching like a show is great. So nice. It's so relaxing. And so I've just prioritized a little bit more of things that make me feel better. Yeah. And sometimes it's laying in bed and watching Netflix, or maybe sometimes it is laying in bed for an hour and scrolling the internet. Cause I don't get to do that that often either. And so it's just maybe that little bit of time, you know, I always had this mentality, like, Oh, I, I do so much and I do, I'm busy. I like being busy though. I'm a person that runs around and I enjoy it, but there wasn't a lot of time that was like solely for me. And so just even carving out that time, that's just my time is really nice. And it contributes to self-care because you do feel happier and more relaxed. Cause you're like, ah, this is just my time for myself and I can do whatever I feel like. <laughs> and it's great. That is kind of one of those mic drop moments, right? It's just like, mm -hmm. I found out that I needed more time for myself. I became more in tune with what my needs were. And I started meeting them outside of food, outside of, you know, just trying to shut that stuff down. And you still, I, I still feel stressed. Like, I'm not like, oh, I'm all in this hippie zen mode. Like, I still get stressed <laughs> out. I still get angry. I still lose my shit sometimes <laughs> but I you know like going back to what you said before I let myself feel all that and then I'm like okay now what are you gonna do about it you know right. what what you want to just feel stressed today and then feel stressed like there's so much more grace with yourself after doing this program I have so much more grace for myself like I'm so much kinder to myself and easier on myself and I just feel better. So then, you know, it's easier to go through. I feel like when you're more in tune with yourself, it's easier to sometimes go through the harder emotions. 
Yeah. And I'm actually dealing with them where before I was, I wasn't dealing with them. I was covering them up with food and self-loathing and (laughs) whatever, (laughs) the whole closet, you know, the whole suitcase, name it. I had it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's going to be really helpful for people. So thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate you being being willing to open up and share your story. And is there anything that you want to leave my listeners with? Is there anything that you would say to someone who's maybe on the fence or doesn't know whether or not this will work for them or if it's the right program for them? I mean, if it worked for me, it can work for anybody because I'm one of the most stubborn, (laughs) resistant to change people, or I was. (laughs) out there this program works it it just changed it's life changing it's been life-changing for me and I've told people that a lot it's life-changing for me I've had a lot of great wonderful moments and and not just the weight loss which I've had significant weight loss I am gonna throw that out there this isn't just about me being better for myself I've had huge I've had really big results I mean I don't even feel like I look like the same person but the thing that I would like best about this program is that this is just who I am now. This wasn't a diet. It's not a lifestyle. This is just who I am and how I eat and how I process and live my life. And it's going to be this, this is how I am for the rest of my life. And so there's no backsliding and, or any of that stuff starting over because I don't need to start over, you know, I'm just moving forward and this is who I am now. So, I mean, I say to people, why would you not try this if you could change your life so drastically? (laughs) My listeners can't hear, but I'm just grinning ear to ear because that (laughs) is the best feedback that you could possibly give me is that this is who I am now. And it makes me so proud. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the evolution of Candace and where you started to where you are now. I know it's just going to get better from here on out. And I just really appreciate you coming and sharing that. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you and all you've done for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. That is all I have for you today. Thanks so much for listening. If you got something out of this episode, I would love to hear from you. Check out the show notes. You can find my email address and my Instagram page. Make sure you give it a follow. And of course, I always appreciate it when you rate and review the podcast so that I can land in more sets of headphones moving forward. I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.